0: Let's together find out a way to fix it so that we are not vulnerable on the internet. Just by using words like we together and let's do let's try to find out a solution. Suddenly the perspective that engineering or tech teams have towards you changes. And suddenly they know that you're not trying to bully them or you're not trying to find vulnerabilities in the way they have written code. Listening to KBcast, the cybersecurity podcast for all executives. Cutting through the jargon and hype to understand the landscape where risk and technology meet. Now, here's your host, Carissa Breen.
1: Abajeth, welcome to the show. It's really exciting to have you here today because we actually used to be former colleagues back in the bank days. I mean, we didn't work in the same team. Well, I guess we kind of did. We worked in the broader team. I mean, you sat very close to me, so I guess it's kind of the same team. But of course, we worked in the same overall security team. So I've been following your journey. I know that you've obviously done a lot of different roles since uh, we formally worked together. So I'm really excited to hear your thoughts uh, and your opinions because when we did connect uh, through our friend Jay uh, again you you shared some interesting thoughts and opinions on things that I wanted to bring you on the show to really share those outwardly because you do have a unique voice and opinion and I wanted people to, to listen to that but before we dive into the specifics we always like to start our podcast off with talking about you and your journey so please Abby talk to our listeners about where you started in your career and what are you sort of doing now?
0: Cool. Uh, hey, Karsa. Hey, hello everyone. Nice to be on the podcast. Uh, my name is Abhijit Tukinapedi. Don't even try pronouncing my last name because sometimes even I struggle. Sometimes customer service executives call me and they're like, "Hey, can you please spell your last name?" And I'm like, I get confused here. Uh, yeah, I started my cyber, professional cybersecurity journey when I was like 19 or 20, but uh, my story started with when I was 13 or 14, I was playing an online Pokemon game and someone stole my Pokemon and as a 13 or 14 year old kid, Pokemon were everything. And I went on the internet and I was like, how to hack a website. And that's where it all started. Um, when I was doing my bachelor's back in India, I noticed that there were about 2000 students in my batch in my university. And, uh, not a lot of them understood what cyber security was. And then when I reached out to my professors and a few mates, they were like, hey, I think you should actually go out and start talking about cybersecurity. And you should start talking about ethical hacking, because that's what we used to call it back then. Or that's what I used to call it back then. And then I was a little bit scared. I was very skeptical about talking about, let's say, phishing or uh, key logging and all that jazz back in 2007, 2008, because I didn't know how people would perceive me. right? Because back then, um, at least where I grew up, there was still a lot of stigma around the word hacker, and there was still a lot of stigma around uh, if I started going out and teaching people about phishing and keylogging. One of the most common questions I used to get was, "Oh, so you can hack? I should be scared of you?" Or they would be like, they would actually refrain from uh, having conversations with me or socializing with me because they would make an assumption that I would be stealing their Facebook passwords or could passwords because Orchid was a thing back then. Uh, but it took, it took a lot of time to convince myself and convince people around me to say that, hey, I think ethical hacking is something that everyone should be aware of. And I started teaching more and more college graduates and college students. And uh, uh, I think when I was about 20 or 21, I met another mate and then we started our own small cybersecurity training company back in India. And if I look back, I think it's been an amazing journey. I absolutely love what I do. And I think I think sometimes when I talk to my mates from the industry, not necessarily the cybersecurity industry, but from the tech industry, um, we talk about how excited are you on a Monday morning to start your job. I think on most weekends, I'm excited on a Sunday evening to start my day on a Monday morning. And I think that's that's mostly for me because I enjoy what I do and I'm passionate about what I do. Um, since then, I've worked in consulting. I started as a security consultant. I used to do a bunch of consulting for ma- major US-based companies, and then uh, I still, as as I was doing consulting, I always did trainings at universities back in India. And then I worked in the uh, as a security researcher at Adobe. Then someone from Commonwealth Bank was like, "Hey, we are hiring. For, we are looking for an application security person. Do you want to move to Australia?" And then I was like. Uh, Sounds like a good idea. I am going to pack my bags and move to Australia six years ago. And again, it's been one of the best decisions I've taken. I've moved here and uh, got a chance to teach at UNSW with my mates from ComBank. Again, that's been amazing. I, I think I think because I enjoy sharing whatever knowledge I have, I've enjoyed teaching at UNSW too. Currently, I work as a... uh. Uh, manager for an application security team at BigCommerce. BigCommerce is an open source e commerce platform. And uh, yeah, I think I, I'm lucky enough to work with some of the smartest engineers on the planet who build e commerce platforms and e commerce websites. And uh,
1: uh, I've also done bug
0: bounties. I found vulnerabilities on some of the major websites. I don't actively do bug bounties now, but I feel like I'm an advocate and I want to promote bug bounty programs, et cetera. I've also been lucky enough to speak at multiple conferences, uh, Black Hat, Defcon, CON, OWASP website to name a few. But if I look at my journey, I think if I have to put it in a nutshell, when I was young, I, I thought I was one of the best hackers. But as I started learning more, I now realize that I'm not a good hacker. It's just one of those things, the more you learn, the more you feel like you're not good at what you're doing. I can clearly see that being reflected as a part of my journey. And uh, I even was ranting about it on Twitter the other day about the same thing, saying uh, it's interesting how my thought process changed. And uh, now I'm just happy that I do what I love to do. I
1: love that. I love your journey. Uh, I love that you packed your bags, came to Australia. and It was the best decisions. That's always good to hear. But also, also on a more important note, Pokemon is still legit even as adults, so I think that that's a fair statement as well. One of the things actually that you said, though, that I want to sort of just touch on is when you said you were telling people, like, you know, you do hacking, or a hacker, and then people were scared of you, do you think that people have this preconceived notion in their minds about a hacker, and therefore it sort of translates to, oh, I should be scared of you because there's a potential that you could do something bad to me, like I don't know, you see your Facebook password or you know the stories that you were sharing earlier. Do you think there's a bit of that in there?
0: I think I think it's interesting, right? Because in the last like 10 to 15 years, the more people I meet, I think the stigma around the word hacker has reduced significantly. But even today, sometimes when I go to a social gathering and I say, oh, I work in cybersecurity or uh, I work with a bunch of hackers, there are some preconceived assumptions that they make about you. Uh, Like quite often, when I say I work in cybersecurity, they start asking me about what happened at the NSA, or they start asking me about uh, various government policies and they start asking me about privacy. And I feel like the fundamental definitions of, let's say cybersecurity or data privacy or government policies or GRCs and compliance are not, or are mixed up by common audience. And because they don't understand those differences, quite often they put us under the hacker bubble and because there are like plenty of TV shows and movies that show hackers are people who wear hoodies and hack into government organizations. People still assume that's what we do, right? Because that's what mainstream media is trying to show. Whereas I think for us who work in the industry, we know that's not what we do or we know we do things beyond just wearing a hoodie or sitting. Uh, in, in in like in our backyard and trying to play with computers, right? Because there's more to it. And and another thing is like working in cybersecurity is no longer just sit in front of your desk and do your job. Like right now, it does involve some level of people skills because we need to talk about the vulnerabilities that we identify or we need to train people or we need to educate people about various cybersecurity practices, et cetera. So that is also a significant change that I've seen over the years. But if you talk to the general audience, there's still an assumption that if you call yourself as a hacker or if you call yourself as a cybersecurity person, one of the first things that they ask is like, oh, so are you going to hack into my Instagram account? And I'm like, no. In fact, I actually don't know how to hack Instagram accounts. I have absolutely no clue. So uh, you're making that assumption. I'm going to take that as a compliment, but I can't.
1: There's always someone that asks that, right? Like anyone. Like, I mean, I think when I was moving, the removalists were like, Oh, like, what do you do? And I told them. And I'm always sort of hesitant to tell people because then they start asking me fifty questions, but more along the dark lines of oh, like, you know, if someone calls me in a block number, can I find out who that is? I'm like, Well, the telcos can, but you can't unless you have a subpoena, you just can't do that. Like, why not? I'm like, Because it's illegal, man. Like what do you think's gonna happen? And then, I I guess it starts bringing up everyone asking about, oh, you know, can you hack my ex boyfriend, ex husband's account? And it's like, no, I can't. Second of all, that's illegal. So I guess it always there's always someone right that starts that conversation going down those those lines.
0: Yeah. On on the other hand, though, sometimes I'm happy that these discussions are now at a pub or at a dinner table. Or while you're having breakfast, because people were not comfortable talking about cyber security, right? Like people were unsure what to talk about, or people were people did not know what cyber security was. So in a way, by them asking me that question, I am kind of engaging the audience, and I kind of get an opportunity to tell people that cyber security is beyond hacking into Facebook accounts and Instagram accounts, and it engages that it engages the audience. And it brings out that curiosity, and then suddenly, almost everyone realizes that anyone can get into cybersecurity, and that is something we as an industry should start promoting, because there is such a high barrier to get into cybersecurity. Because people assume that we do rocket science, but in reality, I think that barrier should come down, and we should have we should allow people to start pursuing more uh, more careers in cybersecurity and invite people from like different backgrounds to do various to do various roles in cybersecurity. Also I did forget to mention all the opinions that I'm gonna share in the next 30 to 45 minutes are my own. There is no employer or no security vendor or nobody's responsible for what I speak. So if you think I said something controversial, you feel free to pull my leg, but I don't think any company is responsible for what I speak.
1: No, thank you for sharing that. Uh, it's interesting because you speak about, you know, we're not doing rocket science. And I think almost going back to the stigma for a second, there was people, I mean, I don't know, probably when you and I were working together, what's that, 2015, 16 days people going around saying like, oh, well, you guys are so smart. And it almost engenders the, the wrong and type of culture and fosters this belief that security people are inherently smarter than everyone else. And then I guess... Subsequently, that's then resulted in a bit of friction between internal teams. And I guess that's something I want to get in with you get in uh, today with you because i I want to explore this a little more. I mean, we faced this in the bank, you know, I was always going to these meetings, getting the the business and the project manager of I don't know the developing x, y or Z, and you had to go in there, and then they almost, Hate is a strong word, but they kind of was not impressed when security is sitting in on that call or meeting, right? And it became a bit hostile, can get a bit awkward. And so I want to get from your point of view and understand like how internal how internal teams can work more collaboratively with security teams and how do we generate a better environment for everyone not just cybersecurity teams but also the business team or the broader tech team as well
0: yeah that's a great question because uh i think somewhere in the last like let's say 10 to 15 years or maybe 20 years i think 20 years ago cyber security wasn't an industry by itself we were trying to create an identity we were trying to make sure that we fit in an organization and we were trying to establish that Every company needs a security team and every company kind of needs someone with those specialized skills, start looking at, uh, start looking at vulnerabilities, start looking at how a company can be hacked and trying to protect it from uh, threat actors. In trying to create that identity for ourselves, somehow maybe we have gone a bit too far in the whole journey. When I say a bit too far, what I mean is maybe we have, Maybe somehow we started pushing things in a way that people started looking security teams as blockers rather than seeing us as enablers. And in a way, the traditional waterfall model also did not help us, right? Because in a traditional waterfall model, uh, security always used to come at the end. And just before a project was going to go live, a security team would go in and do a bunch of tests and we'd be like, oops, sorry, there are a bunch of high findings. There's no way you can go on the internet. And the project managers or various tech leaders would be like, oh, but we have worked so hard for the last two to three months, and suddenly the security team is coming in telling we can't go live. So I I think the whole waterfall model also did not help the security teams. But right now with things moving to agile, we expect things to get better, but agile comes with its own problems. In fact, I heard this from someone and I like, I like saying that, you know, most companies think they do agile, but in reality, I don't think anyone does agile. People do somewhere in between waterfall and agile, and maybe we should start coining a new term called agile. But anyways, so I think somehow in the whole journey of establishing an industry or like making a point, we have become blockers. Whereas I think the way security teams need to work is like, we should start working more in a more collaborative way and try to understand that, yes, it's a specialized skill, but security is everyone's job. And when security is everyone's job, the whole importance or emphasis on collaboration gets amplified significantly, right? Because because it's everyone's job, if you are being nice to the tech teams, or if you are being collaborative and if you, rather than saying, I found a vulnerability in your system, it's a simple language, right? Rather than saying, I found a vulnerability in your system, maybe we all could say, hey, I think we found a vulnerability in our system. Let's together find out a way to fix it so that we are not vulnerable on the internet. Just by using words like we together and let's, do, let's try to find out a solution, suddenly the perspective that engineering or tech teams have towards you changes. And suddenly they know that you're not trying to bully them, or you're not trying to find vulnerabilities in the way they have written code, but all you're trying to do is like, you're trying to protect the organization and you are actually with them, not against them. So I have learned that just by changing the way we talk with uh, our partner teams, there is so much in terms of collaboration that we could achieve. Um, Again, this is a simple example, but I think this simple example can be applicable to most of us who work in security industry. It doesn't have to be an application security team working with a tech team, but it could be it could be an incident response team. You could be a SOC analyst. You could be an external penetration tester. You could just come in and start saying, "Let's make things secure together." And just by using those words, I think a lot of uh, uh, a lot of change can happen in the right direction
1: look, I totally love what you're saying. And I resonate because I was that person going in at the end of the project to be like, Hey, you can't really go live with this. And you've got a project manager that's KPI'd on his project going live. And so you can start to see there's the, the hostility starts rising and all this type of stuff. But again, and I think everyone used to make me go to these closeout meetings because I was, it was probably my strength on getting people on side rather than offside right so I don't know if you remember but like going to these meetings and what people would say back to you and again it's how you frame things and so I would go or someone else would go and it wouldn't go well and then it, and then I think people used to complain to our team because certain people didn't frame things in a way and they're like oh you know we did X Y and Z and then this happened and I guess it, it sort of undermines these guys and then it generates not the right type of environment. I mean, you probably saw that too when you were working in the AppSec team, yeah? Oh yeah,
0: absolutely. And I'm I'm going to be honest, right? I am pretty sure I said things to developers or engineering managers or tech leaders in the past that would have come across in a wrong way to you, because that's just because I don't know. I I never thought I was good with people and I think I think I still believe computers are easier than human beings, right? Cause if I'm doing a penetration test or if I'm doing an application security project, I'm looking at a bunch of code and I'll have my own interpretation, identify vulnerability, and maybe a few years ago that's it. That's where the job ended. You create a fancy report and that's it. Whereas now you kind of have to talk to the engineering teams and you kind of have to tell them what the vulnerability is and explain them, and that's where the whole people aspect comes. And that's that's one thing we all haven't been trained too much. In fact. It, Talking of training, like most people who work in cybersecurity right now, we're all self-trained, right? Like we have learned things by ourselves. We have learned things by reading stuff on the internet. I think that's one thing we as a cybersecurity community do really well. We understand that sharing is caring and that's why you see so many proof of concepts and so many articles and so many people actually coming out and sharing stuff. However, because a lot of this is self-learned, I think we are still, I think there needs to be, A lot of us from the community who need to come out and start teaching about some people's side of cybersecurity so that we all, when we come to the industry and we start working in various companies and start working with different teams, we try, we can bring out those people skills and start working more collaboratively. In fact, I think in the last two to three years is where I started observing that more conferences are, uh, more conferences have talks about building the right security culture. And I think a couple of weeks ago, I was also watching a CISO of a major bank in Europe who was talking about various mental health issues and cybersecurity industry, and talking about how he has struggled in making a point for uh, cybersecurity and was talking about the other side of the story where sometimes cybersecurity is, because it's hard to measure, maybe people working in cybersecurity don't get enough credit for what they're doing. Because if you're a project team, right, if you're building a product, you release the product and the product works perfectly and suddenly you get a pat on the back. But almost every product that goes live on the internet is reviewed by some security engineer, but how many security engineers actually get a pat on the back, right? Maybe that also needs to be changed uh, from the tech world or the engineering teams where they should start appreciating the security teams who have who have helped them in sending a product uh, securely on the internet. Maybe this is something um, that we, as a tech industry, needs to change the way we start uh, looking at cyber security and start actually understanding that we are not a burden, we are not a cost center, but we are we are just trying to make sure that the product that we are releasing on the internet is more secure. Sorry for the segue, but I felt like it was relevant into you know I
1: love that that building you the whole the collaboration. Way. No, I think that makes sense. There's so many good things in there that you said, and my main was my my mind was uh, bubbling away. Uh, so, number one, go back to your point when you said you th- you believe you may have been that person that unintentionally said things that perhaps got people offside. Do you think that you you weren't aware of how you were speaking, or do you think that you were aware but you didn't care?
0: It's a good question. Now, it, now that I look back. I think I wasn't as aware while I was speaking. I thought it was okay. I thought it was the whole part of being smart and special, right? Cause that's what cybersecurity was. And that's what, that's what, that's how we were, or at least that's how, that's how we were made look, I don't know, by the society or by the normal tech industry, uh, or maybe it was just an assumption that i had in my brain or something i had to tell myself that hey i'm special i'm good at what i'm doing otherwise it's so hard to sustain in the industry because there's just there's just like so much so much expectation and not just from the industry but also from the companies that you're working for and the roles or the jobs that we did were high pressure and high performance roles right because it was not just like or you identify a vulnerability or you learn a bunch of skills and uh, you don't have to learn anything for the next one or two years i feel like if i don't update what i'm doing for about 6 months suddenly i'm like outdated so because of all the pressure maybe maybe i believed if i said something to an engineer or a developer i thought it was okay but now that i look back i can clearly see or uh, i can clearly see like a couple of examples i once was talking to a developer and then I straight up went to his desk and I'm like, dude, your code has an SQL injection. What are you doing? Something along those lines. And I feel absolutely terrible for doing that. But I was also young and naive, like this was probably eight to nine years ago. And maybe I'm better with various tech teams and maybe I'm better with collaboration right now because I made mistakes back then. And I think I'm learning from my mistakes and I think we all should kind of reflect back on what we have done and maybe if we could do things better.
1: I really appreciate you sharing that because I don't think there is many people in our space that would admit that perhaps they did make a mistake. So I really appreciate you being honest about that. And I think going back to your point around the friction, I mean, even going into those closeout meetings, I think from my experience, I mean, there was multiple multiple problems, but one of which was, hey, PM, service owner, 50 other people in this room that you got to go up, and, not against, but it kind of felt like that at times. You also owe us three hundred fifty grand for your pen test. They're like, what? I don't even have that in my budget. And then you'd have like their um, program managers calling you up about the money, right? So I guess that automatically gets people on the back foot. That's how people start thinking, well, you're the police. Oh, and your project can't go live. Well, why can't it go live? Well, it has, you know, X amount of vulnerabilities or they're high risk. And then you'd al- you'd almost, yeah, it would really start getting quite feisty in these meetings.
0: And I yeah. get that.
1: And I guess that's why people then go, oh, well, like, you know, security are the police and we can't go live. And then because we couldn't go live, I've lost my job because I'm a PM. And that's what I'm here to do because I'm a contractor. And that's where I think a lot of the, points of contention are derived from because you're at the end of your yep. project you're tired you're fatigued you're over everyone you get these security people that have popped their heads up the last second to then go by the way this is not going live
0: yep it's a tough situation right because it's a tough situation for both parties but i think that's where the whole people aspect comes in and i think we need to start understanding or we need to I think we are cybersecurity people. Maybe we need to do a slightly better job of explaining vulnerabilities and what do they mean, right? Because if we go into a meeting and we are talking to an audience and we are talking about how we found this cool remote code execution by escalating an SSRF vulnerability, half of the audience wouldn't know what we are doing. All they would all they would know is like, we are cybersecurity people using some fancy faces. Rather than saying that, I think that's where we as an industry are now going towards like, risk-based approach and we're gonna we, we start talking about impact so i think we need to translate various cybersecurity fundamentals to cater our audience and maybe start explaining look i found this vulnerability and what this vulnerability could do is if we if the project went live or if this was on the internet someone could run commands from their computer on our infrastructure and this could be translated into these many millions of dollars or this could potentially, you know, uh, make us the front page of the newspaper, or this could mean that we will start building, uh, or this could mean that we'll have bad reputation. So translating our vulnerabilities that common people can understand is a better approach. And I have learned that that is something that started to help me in the last, like, let's say five to six years, rather than going to CVSS and getting like a risk impact score and say like, oh, sorry, the CVSS score for this is like 8.2. So you can't go on the internet. Of course, the product manager won't get it right because they're like, what is CVSS? Why should I think that it's important? But I think it's our job or it's someone from the company who needs to have that risk-based approach and explain to our counterparts or like our other team members, non-cybersecurity team members, what these things mean and what these metrics mean, etc. Um, I hope that kind of answers the question. And I, I think I think that is a better way of dealing with these kind of situations or handling projects or making sure, again, trying to emphasize that security is everyone's responsibility, and together we are trying to bring build secure products puts responsibility in everyone's bucket. And I feel like that'll make things smoother and then people will actually start appreciating cybersecurity. And I think in the last four to five years, one of the best things I have had is among the various trainings or education piece I've done, I've had developers in my previous company and in my current company identify vulnerabilities. And that makes me very happy, right? Because at that point, I don't have to emphasize what cybersecurity is, People understand cybersecurity. People understand what they're doing and they identify vulnerabilities. And sometimes I have non-developers, non-technical people Slack message me or reach out to me and say, hey, I think there's something wrong here. Can you please have a look? And it makes me happy because then you're kind of improving the security culture and you're actually telling everyone that security is everyone's responsibility. And then they start seeing that this is important and they start taking a little bit of ownership and I feel like if we are able, if companies start developing that culture, or if companies go to that point in improving the culture aspect of security, we wouldn't have cases like going to a meeting or going to uh, going to a closeout meeting and having conflicts. Because if we have the right culture, I think there'll be less conflicts.
1: So one of the things that you've said a few times is the people skills, right? So I agree with you. I mean. It's why I do what I do now, because it's how you frame things, how you communicate to get that buy-in. But the other side of that is there's that pushback, like you're not good enough because you don't know what I know. It comes back into the whole, I'm special. And so I want to get from your point of view that, yes, you're right. And I think that to go to a certain level, if you want to be a leader, you want to be a manager, you need to communicate. Don't care how good you are technically, you won't be able to get up the ladder, right? And that's, that's how it is. But then there's still people in the space that are like, well, I'm better than you because of X, Y, Z, I'm more technical or whatever. So how how do we get past that point? Because that's still, you know, a point of contention. And I've even heard people in the space refer to like show ponies. Like I think like that doesn't really help the situation, right? So I guess the strengths in all people. And what I was doing at CBA in terms of back then, my skills have atrophied, you know, I'm not doing it every day. So things have changed. So I want to understand from your perspective, how do we get this balance between no one's better than anyone, right? And there's this, oh, I'm more technical than you are, or, you know, whatever. Like we, how do we move the conversation where it's about that, that, that aligned vision, because it still seems to be that technical people think that they are better than every single person on the earth, and frankly, that's not the case.
0: You mentioned you mentioned an interesting point, KB, and uh, I think I think there are two forces to this, to this, right? One, the people side of things, and how technical people also need to understand that there's a people side to uh, most of the work that we do, and either we all need to do it ourselves or someone needs to do it. And two, did we actually make the barrier too high for people to get into cybersecurity? I'll answer the second question first. So I think the barrier is so high and the industry, we as an industry are trying to change it. And it's now got to a point where we are trying to make a point and say and prove that the barrier is actually not too high and anyone can get into cybersecurity, right? Because I'll give you an example. If you're a software developer, you know how to write code. You could probably get into application security. If you are an infrastructure person, you know how to be, uh, spin up various web servers, or you know how to work on infrastructure. You can start doing infrastructure security. If you are someone who writes, who enjoys writing in policies, or understands uh, how data privacy works, you can get into GRC and compliance. If you are a product manager, you could, and you understand how products work, and if you learn the security side of things, you could become a security as uh, security architect. Which means, if you think about it, irrespective of what you do as a non-cybersecurity person, if you develop the right mindset, if you understand the attacker's approach, and if you understand the whole uh, love for defending and securing things, you can actually get into cybersecurity, and you could do a role in cybersecurity. So I think we, as an industry, whether we are tech cybersecurity people or non-tech cybersecurity people, start to start emphasizing. And start inviting people of non cybersecurity uh, community to to look at different careers in cybersecurity. And us as an industry should be open and start giving opportunities rather than saying I'm only going to hire a penetration tester who has seven years of pen testing experience. But by the way, I'm looking for a level one engineer because that that absolutely doesn't make any sense. And that's just going to mean like we are not giving opportunity for new people. On the other hand, going back to the first question and trying to understand. Um, uh, the people side that we as technical people need to grow. I think that's slightly a hard problem to solve. And the only way it can be solved is by emphasizing again, in a, in even in a cybersecurity team, there is a there is a program manager, there is a penetration tester manager, and there's a pen tester who is like actually ad- identifying vulnerabilities. We all have different roles that we are playing as a team. And that's why we are a team. Like Cristiano Ronaldo cannot be the best footballer if he doesn't have other footballers playing a soccer match with him. That's just not how it works. And I think we as cybersecurity teams should also start understanding. I'm not gonna lie, I think I was one of those pen testers where seven to eight years ago I thought pen testing was the best cybersecurity career. And that's that's all was there in cybersecurity. I was so I think dumb and naive to assume that pen testing is definitely one of the most uh, important aspects of uh, let's say cybersecurity. But we as an industry, there are so many things that needs to be done. And collectively, collectively everyone who's working in cybersecurity plays a different role and that's what makes us an industry and that's what makes us a team. And if you're looking at any company and that's why you need to have different people doing different, uh, achieving different things in cybersecurity, While building a team. And that's what I would try to emphasize organizations. Different people have different cybersecurity structures, but irrespective of what organization structure you have, make sure you have people with different skills uh, who are building a team uh, to make sure that they're able to give you a wholesome security experience rather than just one technical aspect of it.
1: Yeah, that's a great point. And I mean, in light of that, when I was doing these roles, people would, you know, often default to me because they're like you do it because I don't want to do it you're better at it than me you're better at getting that influence and telling these people and you're so it's not all people right it's not everyone out there it's certain people I'm just saying that I was lucky as well that people in my team were like you should do it because you're better at it than us so you you go and do it and so I felt like they could see that I had that strength and it wasn't like, well, stuff you, man. There was none of that from what I could gather. It was more so you're better at getting the influence, getting the buy-in, not getting people offside. We think it's the best approach that you lead with this. And so I guess it's more about you, you need both, right? You can't really do one without the other. And so what I'm struggling to sort of see is non-technical people know they need technical people, but I'm still, and this is not all people, struggling that technical people may need to understand and, and have a reality check that they need people that's going to get that influence because that is what's going to drive a internal security team forward you don't have someone at the front saying okay we're going to get get more money for my practice you're not going to be able to grow you're not going to be able to secure what you're doing um or you know and i think that these are the conversations so maybe there needs to be an appreciation For both sides and there needs to be an appreciation for this more peer-to-peer stuff so what what do you think about that though because am i am i crazy with what i'm saying or do you think that you're seeing this as well there's the appreciation for super technical people but perhaps not the other way around
0: it's an interesting question because i think i think a lot of things have now changed with the whole agile or with the base security teams are working because because we are no longer waterfall and at least in like few tech companies, the way security teams work is like they work more on a collaborative manner. I think there's that sense of appreciation for both sides. I think there's that sense of appreciation for, um, you know, people who could, you could, you could make things happen. People who could translate these vulnerabilities into common language or, uh, we as an industry are starting to embrace the whole, uh, aspect of, you know people bringing different skills it's no longer a point that you need to have pen testing or like you need to have like uh uh security operations or you need to have like incident response to get into cyber security i think in the last two to three years there has been an immense increase of non-cyber security people getting into cyber security and start doing cyber security roles which i think is great for the industry because that's how this is a different type of diversified skills that we're bringing into industry that we need right because one thing cybersecurity needs is like people who are able to think different. And the only way we all can think different is when we allow people with different thoughts and opinions uh, come into the industry and um, work in various roles. In my experience, I have actually been, I should say this, I have been really lucky to work with some amazing leaders who have mentored me and work with some amazing managers who had a sense of appreciation for what I was personally bringing to the team. And they gave me an opportunity and a freedom to actually try and fail because I have failed in so many projects and I'm I'm not a great success story, right? Like I've released a bunch of open source projects which were great for some time, but I couldn't continue. Um, I wanted to start a company when I was 20 or 21, but I couldn't make it big. And I got back into the whole nine to five job um and i still enjoy what i do so what i mean to say is like i have been definitely lucky to find the right mentors in almost every company actually every company that i worked for i i actually had a great boss who gave me the right mentorship and now now that i'm managing people and managing people that is the right example i want to set for people who are coming to the industry be it a junior team member or a senior team member i do want to emphasize that there are different skills each team member brings to the team irrespective respect of whether you come from a technical background or a non-technical background, we all make a team. And I would like to go back to the example, Cristiano Ronaldo himself cannot be a football team. You still need other people who get the job done for your soccer team to win the match. And that is what, let's say, I try to embrace because I have been lucky. I've had friends in the industry who haven't had great bosses or who haven't necessarily had great team members have struggled in making the point so i think now that i manage people i don't want my people to have that experience and i want to have a more collaborative approach not just for people working in cyber security but people working outside of cyber security too i think i probably said the word collaboration a billion times in the last 40 minutes but i guess that's 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 the story of today's uh, podcast and that's what i'm trying to emphasize is that we should start going ahead and inviting more people and start collaborating with like non-sacrific folks.
1: No, I love that. I love everything that you're saying. And I, I appreciate you sharing some of your failures as well, which really illuminates that you are a normal person. You've had this journey, but you've also had this period in your life and in your in your career that you've, you've noticed that, hey, probably didn't do too well in terms of how I spoke to that person. So I should probably change. So I really appreciate you sharing that. There's also something I'd like to get you to share as well, Abby. I mean, when we spoke originally, you sort of touched on about a time when you presented at a security conference and then how certain people in the audience treated you. Is it possible for you to sort of share some light on that story? Yeah, yeah.
0: I think I think early on when I used to speak at conferences or meetups, I was very I, – I, 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 I just used to speak out my mind, right, because I was not – necessarily politically correct or maybe i had a bit of sarcasm in the way i presented i think i think every presenter who's presents at the conference or gives a talk have their flavor of sharing something few people like to share it in the form of a uh, few people few people like to share it in the form of a story few people enjoy a bit of sarcasm few people enjoy just talking facts or talking what's on slides. So I think different presenters have like different flavors of presentation. Uh, I've had a couple of incidents actually. Uh, One of them being, I think I had something sarcastic on my slides, but it didn't translate as, it didn't necessarily translate as what I wanted it to be. And it came across as, hey, please keep finding low hanging fruits or please keep finding low vulnerabilities, which is probably not the best message that you want to give an audience or you want to encourage people who are trying to come into the industry and i think uh, i remember two days later someone sent me a tweet saying hey uh did you read this blog it has a slide from your presentation and uh, it it obviously calls out something you have shared and it kind of took me up it 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 kind of hit me really badly and it took me about 8 to 9 months before I submitted an abstract again because I wasn't sure. Suddenly I started doubting everything I have done at that point and I started being more conscious about every single word and every single phrase that I uh, that I spoke at a conference or any technical stuff that I was sharing. And if I look back, maybe there was a better way that someone could have communicated that to me rather than maybe shaming me on the internet. But then as as you grow, as you evolve, You understand that it's a part and parcel of sharing content on the internet. Uh, And and again, the person who said that now we are good mates and uh, obviously, obviously I didn't say something smart, but what, what came out of that is now I start thinking twice about everything that I speak or everything that I share, which is good and bad, right? The good part is obviously I'm not saying something stupid. But the bad part is it's stopping me from being creative. It's stopping me from being who I am. And it's a little bit putting a little bit barrier in terms of, you know, second questioning myself or judging myself maybe a bit too much than what I need to. So uh, that was one experience. And the second experience, which I think I have learned a lot was when I first moved to Australia, I was referring a a hacker as he and someone from the audience came to me and said, oh, uh, so you're using... he has a pronoun for attacker. Are you assuming that women can't be uh, hackers or attackers? And I think this second feedback that I got from the audience, which again, resonates with me a lot, is great because it clearly pointed out the mistake that I was doing and an assumption I was doing. It's a very small assumption that I was making, but that's the thing I need to change, right? Someone like me who is going to conferences or meetups and talking needs to be more inclusive. And the more, the only reason The only way I can be more inclusive is by showing it in the language that I use and by showing it uh, in the way I communicate with the audience. So the first part, first example, kind of left a negative experience, whereas the second part left such a positive experience that it made me learn new things and it made me start to embrace diversity and start emphasizing in almost every talk that I give. And now I keep telling my friends when they make a mistake like that. And it's, that's what I want to share as part of this podcast. Is like, every time you give a conference talk, I am pretty sure you'll make a mistake. And please make an assumption that if you're giving a talk to an audience of, let's say, 10 people, there will be at least two people in the audience who are way smarter than you. That is given. And never assume that someone's uh, someone's like dumb or someone doesn't know. There is a high probability, if you're giving a conference talk, that 90% of the talk or content that you're sharing as a part of your talk is familiar. And maybe the audience already know what you're talking about. But the thing that you need to remember is, like as long as you're honest in the content that you're sharing, and as long as you're honest with your audience, I think... I think it's still like you're still going to be happy after you share the presentation. And one thing I tell myself every time I give a talk is like, yes, OK, now that I've had a couple of experience, I am almost certain that I'm going to say something that's going to offend someone. I'm going to try to make sure that I am as correct and as honest as what I want to be. And then it's OK if someone in the audience is smarter than me. It's it's absolutely fine if someone in the audience finds my talk not useful. That is a given but i I've, I've started to learn and embrace that it's not going to impact me or it's not gonna push me a step behind because at the end of the day in other words what i'm trying to say is like there should be more people who are generating content about cyber security we should keep the dialogue going we should generate more content and bring more people in the industry and the only way we can do it by is by generating more content so even if you think you don't know a lot, I would still highly recommend you to generate content and share it on the internet. Because if you write write a blog post and if it helps at least one person on the internet, you have kind of made a very small impact to that one person's life and you have made a very small impact to that one person's cybersecurity journey. So don't hesitate. And if you are, if you have ever faced a good or bad experience like me, please try to leave it behind and move on. Because nobody is perfect. I keep telling that to myself again and again. I am pretty sure in the last 40 to 45 minutes of speaking with you, KB, I have said something that is definitely controversial or people wouldn't like what I've said. But not everyone likes Sachin Tendulkar, who is like one of the best cricketers in the world. But even he has haters. And I feel like if Sachin Tendulkar, one of the best cricketers on the planet, has haters, eh, I think it's okay that I, I don't impress everyone.
1: Do you think Virat Kohli has haters, though?
0: Oh, that's a good question. Oh, I think so. I'm pretty sure oh, he does, yeah.
1: No one that I know. Uh, look, I've probably I probably offended people, too, and I'm the host of this show, but, I mean, I'm keeping it real. Like, if someone doesn't like it, that's okay as well. But I'm, I'm, I'm curious to know, and I just want to go back a second, when you made this statement around he, as in the attacker, was that a conscious or a subconscious decision that you made in that moment?
0: Oh, I actually didn't even realize I used the word he for an attacker. Like, it's it's just, it's, I think it also comes from, like, it was it was absolutely subconscious because, like, it, it comes from, like, English is not my first language. So, obviously, I think in a different language and I speak in a different language. And this happens with a lot of people for whom English is not the first language. They think in a different language and they speak in a different language. So, they are bound to make mistakes. I am absolutely glad that someone told me that I need to correct myself. I think if I look back, that is probably one of the best feedbacks I've got. But on the other hand, I can also see some people in the industry, the way uh, they use they use like pronouns like this, I think they consciously use it and that's something we need to change. Because if we don't constantly make that change, it'll be very hard for us as an industry to be more inclusive. And like I said, it was a subconscious thing that I said back then but I'm genuinely... I actually don't even remember the person who gave me this feedback, but if you're listening to this, thank you. You have definitely made an impact in my life and the way I start... I I, I give presentations or I start looking at things. So thank you to that anonymous person.
1: (laughs) Oh, gosh. Uh, So I guess as a leader, what type of culture do you personally engender within your security team? But then also more broadly across your organization like your tech team as well as the business yeah that's it um
0: that's a great question i think as a cyber security leader or someone who's doing cyber security one thing i try to tell everyone again and again is like if you're working for a company cybersecurity is everyone's job even if you're not working for a company right you protecting your assets you protecting your personal information or you protecting your personal phone or your family's uh devices or computers from getting hacked is also your responsibility so in a way everyone needs to understand cybersecurity. but the problem is i think the pro- this is the problem with internet right i think the problem with internet is like nobody has taught us how to use it but we all use it i think i think there are 7.92 billion people on the planet and there's about four to five billion people who use internet at least once in a day how many of us have ta- have been taught on how to use it and what are the safe ways to use internet right out of those 5 billion people
1: oh my god not so true
0: not too many not too many and hence we have all these problems if only we started talking about starting again going back to what i mentioned earlier just yes, people would assume that i hack into facebook or instagram accounts but maybe now i'm okay with people making that assumption i i would prefer cybersecurity security to more to be a dinner conversation or like a pub conversation or you go for a breakfast and you start thinking about these things just by thinking about these things and engaging uh, a dialogue with non-cyber security people i think we are creating a change and that's what i try to do in organizations too start giving more brown bags if you find a vulnerability start talking about your vulnerability and share to your counterparts on how they can fix the vulnerability or how they how they write code in a way that they don't introduce the vulnerability again or or i've, I've actually heard from some of my counterparts in the industry is like if you have a, if you identify a vulnerability in your company right How many of you actually show the vulnerability report to the rest of the organization or share the Jira tickets with the rest of the organization? I think if a vulnerability is fixed, I think we should start embracing and teaching. And the best way you can actually teach uh, your counterparts in the company is by sharing these vulnerability reports, sharing these stories and helping them understand the way you think as a cybersecurity person. Like we all think from a threat approach or we are think from a risk-based approach and we try to break systems but as we are trying to break things we should also help people understand on how we are trying to break things and by allowing us to you know get a sneak peek of the way we think and get into our brain i think they will start understanding and appreciating what we do and suddenly they will start thinking that way too and you are kind of improving this culture i always like to use this example as a way of teaching someone or like showing someone how to how to break into things right if i ask you a question kb are you scared of sharks
1: oh my gosh yes how did you know that i'm so scared of sharks they're the ultimate if that's i never want to be eaten by a shark ever like i have a constant fear of that i don't swim in the ocean because of it great (laughs) are you scared
0: of mosquitoes
1: yes because i'm allergic to them
0: okay that's a great answer right (laughs) because On the first example, you're scared of sharks because you're scared that you'd be eaten by a a shark. But on the second example, you're allergic to mosquitoes. But for you to be actually eaten by a shark, you need to be at Bondi Beach at 4 p.m. on a Saturday afternoon. And you need to be deep inside the ocean for the shark to come and actually target you. Whereas for you to be killed by a mosquito, you could be sleeping in your living room with a window open and a mosquito could just come and bite you and you might still go to a hospital or something bad could happen to you. What I mean to say is like, that is literally a life example. And we as human beings, we are not good at understanding threats. We are really bad at thinking what's bad for us. And and that's what we need to do when we are building products. That's what we need to do when we are building technology or companies. We should start looking at threats slightly differently. So if you're starting to build a product, don't worry about NSA or FBI or all these government organizations and all the hacking news that you read on the internet, start thinking about whether you have done input validation, start thinking about what, what does your application do and what can potential bad actors do to your application rather than worrying about the read that news that you read on the internet. So just by looking at threats and attack scenarios differently, I think it's easier to help an organization to embrace uh, Uh, security. And then you can suddenly start building that culture. Yeah, like in my current company, I don't have to go and ask developers what they're doing. They constantly come to me and ask me questions. And it makes me really happy because by them asking me questions, they know that what they're doing is important. They know that they need to talk to someone from security and they just understand the importance of security. And it makes my life so much easier. And This is something I want to share with to my peers in cybersecurity industry. If you are able to, you know, create that conversations, be slightly more open, share what you're doing uh, with the rest of your team members, and suddenly you will see this immense increase in the culture. And I, I tell you the day when a developer identifies a vulnerability and comes to you with great joy that they have found a vulnerability, you will be absolutely happy and proud for being a cybersecurity professional.
1: Abhijesh, keeping it real, my friend. If people have a question for you that I didn't ask you, how how can they find you?
0: Uh, they can find me at A-B-H-I-J-E-T-H, my first name on Twitter. Um, I'm I'm generally interested to talk about various app like processes or security culture or even mental health. I think that's another thing I wanted to briefly touch on is like, because we work in cybersecurity, there's actually so much pressure in us delivering what we need to deliver, but one thing I would like to tell everyone is like, please have a personal life. I know there's this notion that cyber never sleeps. I personally don't like it. I wish we all get more rest. I wish we all have more work-life balance. Please go. Don't go into the rabbit hole that you know you need to work for 12 hours or 16 hours a day to do what you're doing, or uh, because you're passionate, you spend that extra time. I have been there. If you go in that way, it is very easy for you to be burnt out. And the best way we all can be sane and do well is like by actually having a balance. And please take care of your mental health. If you are ever working in an industry and stressed about what you're doing, try to talk to your peers, try to talk to your uh, managers, or try to talk to people in the industry who have been for quite some time. Um, or just speak your mind. Please don't feel stressed. If you're feeling stressed about what you're doing, you're not alone. I am pretty sure most people in the industry might have felt that stress at some point in their life. Yeah, so please speak out.
1: Thanks, Abby. I really, really appreciate your time for sharing your thoughts and opinions today. And I can't wait to get you back on the show. Thanks again.
0: Thanks, and Thanks, everyone. Um, Like I said, most of the things I've shared, thoughts are my own, opinions are my own. Um, But yeah, I'd love to hear some feedback. Thank you. Stay safe.
1: Thanks for tuning in. We hope that you found today's episode useful and you took away a few key points. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast to get our latest episodes. If you'd like to find out how KBI can help grow your cyber business, then please head over to kbi.digital.
0: This podcast was brought to you by KBI.media, the voice of cyber.